Hi guys, this is Julie and this is Semi-Balanced coming with you with another episode today. Sorry I've taken a short leave. Um, a lot going on in the world as we all know. Uh, a lot to deal with and busy hours. Um, I am trying to do my best to put out content. Um, just finding time has been difficult. Um, enough of that. Let's get started on today's episode. Um, it's, it's just human nature to nurture. Um, there are so many kinds of seeds in us, both good and bad. Some were planted during our lifetime, and some were transmitted by our parents, our ancestors, and our society. Every time we practice mindful living, we plant healthy seeds and strengthen the healthy seeds already in us. Healthy seeds function similar to antibodies. When a virus enters our body stream, our body reacts and antibodies come and surround it, take care of it, transform it. This is true with our psychological seeds as well. If we plant wholesome healing, refreshing seeds, they will take care of the negative seeds, even if we don't ask them to. Such a beautiful statement that is. What seeds are you watering in your consciousness? Every one of us has the capacity to love, to forgive, to understand, and to be compassionate. If you know how to cultivate these elements within your consciousness, your consciousness can nourish you with this healthy kind of food, what makes you feel wonderful and benefits everyone around you. At the same time, in everyone's consciousness, there is also a capacity for obsession, worry, despair, loneliness, and self-pity. If you consume sensory food in a way that nourishes these negative elements in your consciousness, if you read tabloids, play violent electronic games, spend a lot of time online envying what others have done, or engage in like mean-spirited conversation, the anger, that despair, or jealousy, it becomes a strong energy in your consciousness. You are cultivating the kind of food in your own mind that isn't healthy for you. Even after, even after you walked away from the book or the computer game, your mind may continue to revisit and reconsume those toxic elements for hours, days or weeks afterwards because they have watered the negative seeds in your consciousness. Most of our troubles stem from attachment to things that we mistakenly see as permanent. If the problem is resolved in a humane way, they simply end. Whereas if one tries in humane ways, further problems are added to the previous one. The humane antidote to these problems is love and compassion. 
which are the essential ingredients of world peace. We are social animals. The main factors keeping us together are love and compassion. If at the beginning and end of our lives, we depend upon the kindness of others, why in the middle of our lives should we not act kindly towards them? I don't know. It is the pragmatic choice. Be a source of light for others. If you really want to stay open, pay attention. When you feel love and enthusiasm, then ask yourself why you can't feel this way all the time. Why does it have to go away? The answer is obvious. It only goes away if you choose to close. By closing, you are actually making the choice not to feel openness and love. You throw love away all the time. You feel love until somebody says something you don't like, and then you give up on the love. You feel enthused about your job until someone criticizes something, and then you want to quit. It's your choice. You can either close because you didn't like what happened, or you can keep feeling love and enthusiasm by not closing. As long as you are defining what you like and what you don't like, you will open and close. You are actually defining your limits. You are allowing your mind to create triggers that open and close you. Let go of that. My God, dare to be different. Enjoy all of life. It is okay to be different. I just realized this. Like I said, guys, I am learning with you. This is my journey. I'm sharing it. I am categorized as different. Everybody that knows me knows I am different, but I'm okay with that. It is okay. Okay, now I'd like to talk maybe about being only interested in the self and how it increases fear. In attention, there is no activity of the self. The self-interest in our life is the cause of fear. This sense of me and my concern, my happiness, my success, my failure, my achievement, I am this, I am not. This is this whole self-centered obsession with all the expressions of fear, agony, depression, pain, anxiety, aspiration, and sorrow. All that is self-interest. Whether it is in the name of God, in the name of prayer, in the name of faith, it is self-interest. Where there is self-interest, there must be fear and all the consequences of fear. What you seek is seeking you. When you approach the edges, you feel insecurity, jealousy, fear, or self-consciousness. You pull back as, as if you are like most people, you stop trying. Spirituality begins when you decide that you'll never stop trying. Spirituality is the commitment to go beyond, no matter what it takes. 
It's an infinite journey based upon going beyond yourself every minute of every day for the rest of your life. If you're truly going beyond you, you are always at your limits. You're never back in the comfort zone. A spiritual being feels as though they are always against the edge, as they are constantly being pushed through it, challenged. Eventually, you'll realize that it cannot actually hurt you to go beyond that psycho, those psychological limits. If you are willing just to stand up on the edge and keep walking, you will go so beyond. You used to pull back when it got uncomfortable. Hello. <laughs> yep. Now you relax. Go past that point. I call it ride in the wave. You just have to get that, that fear out of you. Get rid of that and enjoy it. That is all it takes to go beyond. Go beyond where you were a minute ago by handling what's happening now. Imagine a comfort zone that is so expanded that it can easily fit the entire day, no matter what happens, what the day unfolds, and the mind doesn't say anything. You simply interact with the day with a peaceful, inspired heart. That sounds blissful. It can be done. If your edges happen to get hit, the mind doesn't complain. It all just passes through. This is how living great begins. It's beautiful. We are all the things we possess. We are that to which we are attached. Attachments has no nobility. Attachment to knowledge is not different from any other gratifying addiction. Attachment is self-absorption. Whether it is the lowest or the highest level, attachment is self-deception. It is an escape from the hollowness of the self. The things to which we are attached, property, people, ideas, become all important. For without the many things which fill its emptiness, the self is not. The fear of not being makes for possession. The fear breeds illusion. It is a self-protective cunning that makes for attachment. And when attachment causes pain, it is the same cunning that seeks detachment and finds pleasure in the pride and the vanity. The observer of fear is not separate from fear. The observer is fear, and when it is realized, there is no longer any dissipation of energy in the event to get rid of fear. When that is realized, the time-space interval between the observer and the observed disappears. When you see that you are part of fear, not separate from it, that you are fear, then you cannot do anything about it, then fear comes totally to an end, looking at fear without any motive. Have you ever held fear? Do you hold it? Not move away from it? Not try to suppress or transcend it? Or do all kinds of things with it? 
but just see the depths of fear and its extraordinary subtleties. And you can only be aware of all that when you are looking at fear without any motive. When you are looking at fear without any motive, without trying to do a thing about it, just watching, it's kind of amazing. You must inquire into why thought creates the picture of the future or of the past, which breeds fear, and into what thought is. Unless you understand this, you will not come face to face with fear. You will avoid it because fear is a living thing. You can't control it. You can't put a lid on it. To be aware of and learn about fear in oneself it is not to interpret that feeling in words. For words are associated with the past, with knowledge. In the very movement of learning about fear without verbalization, which is not to inquire, acknowledge anything about it, you will find there is a total emptying of the mind of all fear. This means that one has to go very deep into oneself, putting aside all words. And when the mind understands the whole content of fear, it is therefore empty of fear, both conscious and unconscious. Then there comes to be a state of innocence. That's all for today, guys. I'll be back next week with another episode. Um, if not next week, maybe the week after. Oh, please don't hold me to every week. I'm trying the best I can. Um, love you guys. Hope this is helping. Sending much love. Peace out.